Hey everybody, Tom Block. Thanks for tuning in to Front Row Knowles and thank you to Seminole Boosters for their support of this program and more than that, their support of Florida State student-athletes. If you're listening to this show and you're not a booster, what are you doing? Support the program and the student-athletes you care about. All the information you need is online at boosters.fsu.edu. Your gift makes an impact. It supports scholarships and sports medicine, strength and conditioning, nutrition, equipment. Buy tickets, show the student-athletes you care. All the info you need, boosters.fsu.edu. And all the info you need this week, well, here's Front Row Knowles. Broadcasting from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Good day, everybody. Tom and Keith back with you. Mr. Jones, you are smiling. How are you, sir? I'm conflicted, Tommy. I'm conflicted. I'm very happy on the football side. And like many, I'm growing a little bit of concern, not panic, not ready to give up, but just a little bit of concern on the men's basketball side. What's up with that? I can't explain that in short order other than two-thirds of the team is hurt right now, but I agree. I, I will say, sticking with football, Keith, People are giddy right now. I mean, I'm not trying to overstate it, but you're in the FSU circles. Is giddy the right word for it? Well, I I use the term giddy when it's a genuine excitement. My fear is that it's gone past genuine excitement to hyped excitement. And, and folks expect FS, this FSU team to go out and win, you know, 45 to three, 38 to three, regardless of who the opponent is. And I'm not sure that that's sustainable right now. Does that make sense? It does make sense. And that's because we live in the moment and the recent moments have been three impressive wins. And so it's easy to jump right to, oh, if we played Clemson today, we'd smoke Clemson or we'd beat Wake Forest or we'd beat NC State. And while I would love to play those games again with all of our parts and pieces, most notably Fabian Lovett and Jared Verse being healthy, Anytime we play that, well, if we had love it, we'd win the game. Well, when we played Wake Forest, they were missing their top two tight ends and their first string tight end is their best NFL prospect. And they were missing one of their really good DBs. So they were down people too. And we can play the, if Greedy Vance makes that interception, it's a different game, but they can play the, if Sam Hartman makes this throw, then it never gets to be even close at the end. So I just, it's a slippery slope when you go down because the revisionist history we only revisit the things we want to change that are in our favor. Correct. Very correct. However, still very, very pleased where, where the kids sit right now. I really like the trajectory. Uh, I'm, I, and we talked about this on the Sunday show, uh, I remain always a little bit pessimistic about how youngsters 18 to 22 are going to react to playing an opponent that they're very heavily favored over uh, when they don't have a track record of having sustained success. But we'll see what happens at noon, noon on Saturday. This team has surprised me and many others with what they've been able to accomplish. Yeah, no, it's it surprised me as well. I think the, the toughest thing and the reason people are looking back, Florida State's in position to finish, I don't know, ranked between 12 and 15 at the end of the regular season. Very and possibly. When do, and when you do the math, you think back, and if you if you finish the job at NC State, then you're probably in the conversation for a New Year's Six Bowl. I don't know that I'm really running into anybody that says, 
hey, if we played the whole season again or played Georgia or Ohio State tomorrow, it'd be it'd be all garnet and gold. But I do think you can make a case, despite what I just said, that that had FSU finished that job against NC State, maybe we are talking about what what the postseason looks like uh, a little more favorably, right? Well, the good news is that Mike Norvell and his staff aren't interested in any of that conversation. All they're focused on is Louisiana and a kick at a little bit after 12 noon on Saturday, and hopefully the kids are as well. Exactly right. All right, Kurt Weiler from the Osceola is going to join us here momentarily. Let's take a break. We're just getting warmed up here on Front Row Knowles. A lot of football talk straight ahead. Stay with us. We're back after this. Some battles are worth fighting. They build character and teach important lessons. Other times, the more we resist, the longer we stay stuck. When a simple change would change everything. Is your bank holding you back? Try my bank, Prime Meridian Bank. Changing is easy. We'll show you how. Prime Meridian Bank. Tallahassee, Crawfordville, and on the web at trymybank.com. Member FDIC. The holidays are right around the corner, and many of you are traveling to visit family and friends. What a great time to upgrade to a newer used vehicle from Hobson Chevrolet. With new Chevrolets arriving daily and the best used car inventory in North Florida and South Georgia, it's a great time to buy. Need to get your car serviced for your travels? Mike Tyler and his team will take good care of you so you'll have a good, safe trip. So whether it's sales or service, come by and see us or check us out at HobsonChevrolet.com. Buy and service your Chevrolet the Hobson way. Front Row Knowles is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now back to Tom and Keith. Welcome back to Front Row Knowles, Tom Block and Keith Jones. And let's open up that Earl Bacon Agency hotline on the Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together and say hello to the Osceola's Kurt Weiler, our insider this week. Hey, Kurt, how are you? I'm doing well. Are you doing as well as the Florida State football team? I don't know if I can say that. I mean, I, I think I'm doing well, but they're doing, I mean, uh, 124 to 22 over the last three weeks. Well, I don't know if I can say I'm doing that well. What's your biggest surprise about just how well they are playing right now? Um, yeah, it's interesting. I would say probably, I mean, back-to-back three-point games from the defense. I thought this defense, especially when they had Fabian Lovett, could be good. And I think, yes, there are caveats that you can have attached to a couple of the last few opponents that I've, I'd say pretty clearly not had quarterbacks at 100%. But I think when you look at, I mean, there have been plenty of less than 100% quarterbacks who have uh, – done a lot more against Florida State defenses of late. I think uh, that defense has been, I mean, uh, full-on very dominant, and and that has been surprising. Because I'd say for the most part, the offense has been uh, clicking all year. But I think the uh, the defense had some struggles. I think they definitely miss Fabian Lovett, and they are uh, happy to have him back, and it shows. I think I heard, read, or maybe I made up in my own mind, Kurt, that FSU is one of, what, maybe four teams in the country that has a top 20 offense and a top 20 defense. Uh, even, even during the dynasty years, there wasn't always balance between those two units. Uh, that's a little unusual, particularly as quickly as it came along this year. Uh, yeah, and I think, it, it, I think you're right. I, I, I haven't seen that this week, but I saw that, I think, a week or two ago, and I would imagine with what they've been doing lately, it's still true, and I think the other three teams are like, uh, a Georgia and Ohio State and a, a Michigan or three teams of that ilk. I mean, it shows what this team ha- has done in terms of the uh, the metrics for sure. It's uh, 
I think you're seeing, I mean, we've talked some about Mike Norvell's culture and how it's taken time. I think you're really seeing those units feed off each other. I think, I mean, you look at in that Syracuse game on Saturday, the uh, the strip sack of Jordan Travis when it's 14-3 and after such a great start, that feels like a moment where it could easily become 14-10 in a hurry and your great start's gone. And the defense to come up with the, uh, the what, tackle for loss, sack, sack, and then the missed field goal. I mean, it was really, it feels like they they pick each other up in a lot of moments. And that's, I mean, I think the sign of a good team and a healthy culture. But what you're talking about is exactly where I was going, Kurt. When I interviewed Coach Norvell at halftime, start of the third quarter on Saturday, he talked about how they were playing good complementary football. And I think that speaks to what you just articulated. But to me, as I, as I processed it, and I, Keith, you weigh in on this too, because we spent a lot of time talking about this, Keith. You can go back even last year, but certainly three, four, five years ago. And on the sideline, it felt like, okay, everybody's in a good place until something went wrong. And then once something went off the rails, it was like you could see the shoulders just all of a sudden the body language changes and it's just kind of like they're waiting for something else bad to happen. And now to me, it feels the opposite. It feels like if something bad happens, the other side is the other segment is oh, that's okay. We got you. We'll get a stop and get the ball back. And I, I don't want to oversimplify it, but it feels like that's what I'm seeing when I look at the attitudes and just the expressions and the way things are unfolding from the sideline. The fear of the negative versus the opportunity to go in and make something positive. That's what this team has, has changed over the last two or three years. Yeah, do you yeah, see that, no, Kirk? Yes, it's been it's really impressive to witness that. And I think you even like I wrote about it a little today and kind of talking about today's practice. I feel like I see that out at practice where I mean the offense and defense are obviously going up against each other, but they're like picking each other other up after plays and opposite sides of the ball. They're kind of like dapping each other up after like a, maybe a receiver made a great catch against the DB, things like that. I think you're seeing, I mean, they're competitive, but I think there's genuine love there. And I think that feeds into that as well. So, well, the other, the other part of it, excuse me, Tom, the other part of it is truly good players that are wanting to be great players understand that they have to be challenged. And the first place and the most consistent place you're challenged is on, on the practice field. And so if you've bought into that culture, if you have that mindset, you embrace the fact that there's going to be times during drills on a, any, given, any given day where you're going to lose, you're going to come up short but that's what makes you better. And so the next rep, you're looking to do better and be better and you are better. And it just feeds off of one another. Kurt, you yeah. mentioned the genuine, genuine love for each other. I mean, I, I can see that this is not false that they're playing for each other. I mean, there's genuine enthusiasm when the fifth string guy scores a touchdown, you know, when the walk on running back does. I'm curious, do you think that is specific to this group of players and this team or is that really specific just to coach Norvell and his culture and it could be exactly the same four years from now when all the names have changed it's interesting I, if I had to bet I definitely think it's a factor of coach Norvell and that he kind of helped make it and it's not a a what these players did without without him but I yeah I think uh it's uh, it, it, it almost feels like a situation I think where it's always what they're aspiring for, but you only get one every couple teams that like buys into it this much. It takes those special, I think, types of players in those, in those leadership roles. And I mean, I think, uh, 
I think it is definitely a factor of the work that Coach Ravel has put in. I mean, he's talked a lot about a lot of those things throughout his tenure that are showing up now. But I almost wonder if this is almost like the best case scenario of it, some stars, uh, some stars aligning. Well, and the interesting part of it too, and, and we won't know until three, five, seven years from now, you know, it may be that, that you build the culture and you consistently win 10 games. And then every second year, every third year, you have a unique combination of things. And that puts you in a position of trying to win 12 or 13 games. But I think every Florida State fan, if you could say to them right now, given what's happened over the last four years, look, we're going to win nine or 10 games based on this culture. And every third year, we're going to try to compete for a national championship. There'd be a lot of people real happy with that. The way that they've evaluated in the portal, and I'm not talking about the on-field contribution, but guys that are bought into this culture, I don't know how you do the homework that quickly based on how fast the, how fast the portal moves. Now, I realize some of the guys they had existing relationships with, they recruited them out of high school, like Akir Thomas, right? But they didn't have, to my knowledge, any history with Jared Verse, and that that all comes to fruition in a couple of weeks. And he's as bought in as anybody. And Jermaine Johnson, I don't know what the history was there. Uh, I'm just thinking of guys I talked to recently because I, uh, Fabian Lovett's another one. Now he was in here. I, he might have gotten here before Norvell, but I mean, Dylan Gibbons, Greedy Vance. These guys, Keith, these guys are so polite. You wouldn't like it. They could come across as too polite to be football players, right? But that's just their demeanor off the field. Then they take care of business on the field. So I, I don't know. It's almost like Norvell has some test he can administer, Kurt, in a 10-minute conversation to figure out, okay, this guy passes my culture and character test, so he's going to be a fit here. Well, I some wonder... of it, Tommy, some of, some of it's in eight, and, and, and Coach Bowden had it um, for, a, for a long time, and maybe he'll regain it. Jimbo had it. Uh, I, I think Coach Norvell may have it. In other words, your ability to meet people, take the time to get to know them, and make an evaluation of them based on the conversations that have nothing to do with how big, fast, or strong you are. And you're not always right. It won't be 100% perfect, but you've heard the phrase, there are folks out there that are good judges of character once they've had an opportunity to spend more than you know, five or 10 minutes with someone. And that, that's a gift. If you have it, that's a gift. Seems yeah, like you I might. Think, uh, Go ahead, Kurt. It's, yeah. It's it's impressive. I mean, I think you you talked about especially with how quick it has to happen. I do wonder if it's a bit of an eight. I imagine he has some sort of questionnaire of sorts, not officially, but in his head of these are questions that I can hopefully like get some of what I need to know that will tell me if this because I mean you're right, they are fairly picky. There are there are plenty of people who I think fans would want them to go after or who they consider going after, but for one reason or another kind of don't commit to and they do it. How fast they do it too, because how fast the portal moves. There isn't time to, to, to go through the, oh well, I think you're a culture fit, but I need to talk to your high school guidance counselor. I need to talk to your whoever, wherever, all those people. It has to be fast. And so yeah, I think it might be the the uh, innate ability, something like what a uh, coach Baden had, like Keith was saying. Well, and now the word is spread, right? Because now players in the portal know, and you see it, you see it in terms of his staff and his coaches, because people want to coach with them. And uh, it, I happened, I, I hosted the Inside Seminole football show this week, and Bruce Warwick was on, who is uh, the associate AD for football. But I didn't realize this. Bruce didn't know Norvell at all. And he got connected because somebody with the Rams uh, knew Norvell's agent, Jimmy Sexton, right, and spoke highly of him. 
Now, Bruce was trying to get back to the East Coast, so there was some motivation, but you're giving up an NFL-level job to go work for a coach that you don't have a relationship with. That speaks pretty highly behind the scenes that you're willing to make that move to me for that kind of role. Uh, definitely. I mean, I think uh, he he has a way. I mean, Alex Atkins is another guy who who didn't really have a relationship with Mike Gravel, and I mean, has been probably his most important staffer through his first on-field coach through the first uh, three years there are arguments for a few other guys but I think what Alex has done I mean as a as a Broyles Award nominee now as of Tuesday today as we're recording this uh, I think uh, he I think it, it might speak to I mean who Mike Norvell is that he as somebody who is able to kind of draw those people in and definitely has a way of instantly connecting with people I mean you see it when he's walking around the hallways of the moor and how people want to play for him, people want to coach with him, all of the above. And you're right. I think the proof of concept will be a big deal now. He's now done. I mean, Jermaine Johnson was a guy who was probably going to go to the league, but just need more reps. Jer Jared Verse was a bit more of like, uh, we see the potential, but it needs to be realized. And man, has he realized it. So those two examples are, are two kind of completely different, but both really compelling cases he can make now going forward as pitches. Let's talk about Alex Atkins a little bit. We'll move away from the, the sort of off-field philosophical here, a little bit more on-field. Uh, the 20 to 20 conversation and, and Florida State, I think they're 14 straight in the red zone now. So maybe that's gone away a little bit. Although we can look at the other night, even when they just tried to line up and hand it to Trey Benson and couldn't get in and acknowledge that they're not quite where they need to be on the offensive line. But, but outside of that, Kurt, the job Atkins has done makes it feel like he could take three of us on this Zoom right now and two other guys and, and teach us where to step and how to do it, and we could open up holes. I mean, that's an oversimplification, but he's really done an amazing job considering that the talk coming in was that this OL was going to be, well, maybe we can get to below average or average. And uh, I think we all have to admit they're far beyond that as a unit. Well, yeah, no, I mean, to be what? I think they're they're – Best in the ACC in yards per carry. They had allowed, I think they're no longer the fewest sacks allowed in the ACC. I think they're second now after they gave up four the other night. But I think at least one or two of those was in kind of garbage time with reserve linemen in. So even that's kind of the grain of salt. But yeah, I think it helps to have Jordan Travis, no doubt. I mean, I think he saved them from a few sacks. I think he helps with the run game and how de defenses have to defend. But no, a huge, huge, huge credit. I mean, we've, we've, we've seen the seeds of what Alex Atkins has been doing. But this year, even, I mean, without a guy in Caden Lyles who they thought might be the starting center, without losing your starting right tackle after one game in, in Bless Harris, still this is a beyond competent line. I think it, it is a full-on potentially good offensive line, which I don't think I would have gone that far coming into the season. And I think it might be most impressive than all that. Look at all the guys who I think you're highest on long-term are still on the bench. You're not having to play those talented freshmen. You're letting them develop. And I think that's a big deal for the future. I think one of the great things about Alex that none of us can appreciate because most of us have never played on the offensive line. You know, even growing up, we were dreaming of being quarterbacks and wide receivers and defensive backs is his technical knowledge. I mean, when you hear him talk about things and footwork and hand placement and eye placement and, you know, how quickly to do something versus doing it slow. Uh, he is a student of that aspect of the game, and that makes him a great teacher. He's also fascinating to talk to. Kurt appreciates this. He's he's one of those less is more. When he says a little, he says a lot. Uh, to you know what you're talking about, Keith, and his technical expertise, he'll he'll just say something like, um, "You create tendencies to break them." 
which sounds really simple and you think about it. And then that's just telling you that what they ran for three quarters is all for the play they're going to call in the first drive of the fourth quarter that goes against everything they've done for five weeks. Do you, do we go ahead, Kurt? Well, and I was going to say, talking about this week's game, I think it says that some of what we see this week might be to set up things. They're not going to do the following week against Florida. Right. Right. Do, do you have a feel for the way the play calling process goes right now I mean I know they work together during the week but in game situations how that's unfolding you know if you took it to watch two whole practices a week what's I, somewhat I'll say I think I mean obviously there are games like that Miami game where it was just a whole bunch of one play and they Miami couldn't kind of stop the counter and they just kind of kept running the counter but yeah I think I've started to but I think I mean what makes them impressive is they break tendencies really well but I think they're also good at I mean I think you look at the Syracuse game they don't go away if things are just if the if the screen game is continually working they're not going to go away from it if the just commitment to run the ball is working they're not really going to go away from it they kind of will keep doing things until they don't work and I think uh, I mean yeah I think it's it's impressive to watch I, the partnership they've struck yeah I guess I meant for clarification is Norvell calling all of it or is Atkins suggesting something and Norvell signing off because Keith can attest when you watch on TV you know, you don't see Norvell with a bunch of Jimbo play sheets in front of him necessarily. And sometimes he's not speaking. And it's like, how quickly did they communicate that call? You don't see many people with Jimbo play sheets. That's kind of unique. Well, that's to him. A, that's I a think, fair point. <laughs> I think at, at, it's interesting coming into the year. Atkins talked a lot about uh, how. I tell, the, I tell you what, uh, Kurt, Kurt yeah. hold that thought because we need to get to break and then we'll come back and pick up right on that. Because I, I am curious about it because I think Atkins deserves maybe even more credit than we're giving him. Stay with us here on Front Row Knowles. Loading the kids in the car, brokering peace in the back seat, mastering the snack handoff without even looking. Why are simple things sometimes so complicated? Thankfully, with auto owners, insurance doesn't have to be one of them. We work with independent agents who keep insurance simple so you can worry about more important things, like figuring out what's growing in that cup holder. That's simple human sense. Ask the Earl Bacon Agency in Tallahassee if auto owners is right for you or visit us online at earlbacon.com. Some battles are worth fighting. They build character and teach important lessons. Other times, the more we resist, the longer we stay stuck. When a simple change would change everything. Is your bank holding you back? Try my bank, Prime Meridian Bank. Changing is easy. We'll show you how. Prime Meridian Bank, Tallahassee, Crawfordville, and on the web at trymybank.com. Member FDIC. Be sure to subscribe to the Front Row Knowles podcast and follow at Front Row Knowles on Twitter. Now back to at underscore Tom Block and Twitterless Keith Jones. Yes, you heard us right in the Prime Meridian Bank studios. Back on front row Knowles, Tom and KJ with you. Kurt Sorry and Kurt Weiler from the Osceola as we reopen the Earl Bacon Agency hotline. Sorry to cut you short, but uh, just just a general premise on, uh, you know, how the communication is going between plays and as Florida State gets the plays in, because it happens pretty quickly when they want to, and who's who's actually making the call and pulling the trigger all the time. Yeah, coming into the season, I know um, Alex Atkins talked a lot about, I mean, mainly he was going to be coordinating during the week in terms of, helping build the game plan, stuff like that. And that mo- during the game, he was more going to be working with his guys. I mean, normally you'd see the offensive coordinator would probably be, especially for an offensive head coach, up in the box like Kenny Dillingham was. But Alex wanted to be on the sideline with his guys. I wonder what that does for them if they can kind of 
talk a little, especially like in between drives and adjust to things they're seeing, talk to the guys together. Cause I, I yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure. It hasn't really, uh, it hasn't come up and I, I would be curious to know. Cause I haven't, I haven't heard a lot of about it truthfully. Yeah. But the premise is the same. Atkins has done a, done a really good job. So uh, just, just moving this forward on field, how much, uh, and again, I hate to, I don't want this to be backhanded compliments. You you acknowledge, we all know that the quarterback situation for the opponents the last few weeks has has not been a, uh, you know, a who's who of first round draft picks, certainly from a health standpoint. Uh, I guess prior to the health issues, Tyler Van Dyke was perceived as a first round draft pick, right? But but how much of this really is that the DBs are communicating better, the defense as a whole are communicating better and, and they're just healthy again? Adam Fuller talked pretty candidly about it's a mix of things for sure but Monday he talked pretty candidly about I mean year three in the system and how many guys they had to play so young I mean DJ Lundy played a lot as a freshman Kalen Deloach played as a freshman Duke uh, Amarian Cooper and Kevin Knowles both played as freshmen last year they're playing freshmen this year I think so much of it is there are so many guys now who it's year three in the system they're more comfortable have kind of pivoted from the defense and pivoted from them coming off the field and saying here's what you did wrong and explaining to more asking, what did you see? They're able to kind of trust them more. And I think the, the being the third year in the, in the defense has made a big difference there. I think also, I mean, the depth they're able to have at pretty much every position. Now there were questions about the defensive end depth coming into the season, but guys like Patrick Payton, even a guy like Leonard Warner's carved out a really nice role. And I think has, and the linebacker depth, I think is better than we thought it would be with a guy like Brendan Gantt stepping up. And uh, yeah, I think uh, it's a mix of things. I think uh, you, you factor in the opponents a little, but I think, like I said, you've seen plenty of FSU defenses not do as well, even given favorable, favorable quarterback opponents, favorable, what have you for, for quite a few years until, until recently. Well, and another guy that should get credit and I think uh, his reputation merits it is, is coach Shannon and how he's been able to solidify that linebacker core, which I think has given Adam uh, the encouragement and the courage to maybe call a little more aggressive play in year three than he did in year one or year two. Um, so I think, again, the compliment, uh, the complimentary way that they've been able to grow that segment, add some depth to it, uh, as you've mentioned, getting Lovett back and Booker, uh, uh, Cooper rather, in the middle. Um, I mean, that, that has become a very strong unit. It's been fun to watch him. It has been. Kurt, so we're at the time of the season. We do this when there's a couple games left. We start playing the who's going to be back next year game. So I know you've been doing this too. Where are you on Jordan Travis right now and the decision he's going to make? It's an interesting situation. I mean, I for, for a while, he definitely, I mean, you go back to AC kickoff when he said pretty candidly, was asked, it was kind of candidly like, yes, I, I, I am thinking this is going to be my last year. I mean, it's his fifth year in college football, four-year won it at Louisville and obviously that's a time when a lot of guys not a ton of guys have the option to come back for a sixth year we're kind of still working through the COVID stuff which is why he he does it's an interesting situation because I think uh I don't know I think Jordan would get a look in some capacity I'm not I, I wonder where he would fall in kind of on draft boards I think he I mean the the growth as a passer is undeniable I think he is capable of being a quarterback and I wonder where a team would kind of take a flyer on him would it be in the middle rounds would it be in the late rounds I, I I think I mean if he is remotely open to a sixth year which you have to imagine he is and obviously a, a situation like a, a a rising spear can can help that that's kind of a, a situation there that can be can be a little more different in today's day and age of college football but I think he's a guy I mean 
I saw Bill Connolly of ESPN yesterday kind of people were uh, complaining apparently in his mentions FSU fans that Jordan Travis wasn't getting enough Heisman love and uh, I think it was a situation where I, I kind of was like he's not on the Heisman radar this year if he were to come back I think he is in that conversation to start next year and especially if uh, a lot of those offensive weapons come back I mean there are some conversations there that have to be had too should be some interesting uh, exit interviews in a few weeks with the uh, with the coaching staff because that could be a really good team next year if they are able to persuade the right group of guys what about Johnny Wilson and Trey Benson you feel pretty confident they're coming back it's I don't know so I think what, the main reason I say it's easier to sell probably Johnny than Trey is simply because you look at how running backs are in the NFL. My thing is I almost view running backs different from any other position in that. I mean, it feels like they fall off pretty quickly after about the age of 30. So I'll normally, especially a guy like him, who's been through the injury he has, I would be more inclined if I were him to kind of think about, Hey, as great as like rising spear and all that can be, it's probably time for me to go the season I've had, what I've put on tape. And so I, I wonder about him. I think Johnny, you can sell a little better on like they saw the ability I think some, you would get drafted in some range, but if he came back and had a, like kind of grew more and had a truly dominant season, I think you could easily, I mean, he has the intangibles to be a first round type receiver. If he comes back and has that kind of year. The only thing I disagree with you on there, Kurt is with the running backs is, is maybe not so much age, but number of carries, you know, once you've hit whatever the number is 3000 carries in your college and professional career. And remember Trey's had two years that he didn't have any yeah. carries. So I don't, I don't know how you factor that in, but that's certainly part of the equation. It is different from a, a Jaystron Corbin, who I think came here and had two years of pretty heavy usage. You're right. And so maybe you could sell him on that. I think no doubt FSU's coaches are going to try and sell him on that, but I think that it, it's quite possible he's put enough on tape to go if he wanted to. And even if you were a later round draft pick guy, he'll, he'll get his chance. And I, and I would not disagree with you by that. So when I say I'm disagreeing, it was only oh, yeah, the no. number of carries versus the age. I think right. he could step in and play uh, in a regular role at the next level right now. I think he would have a better chance of getting drafted than Jay Sean Corbin did. And I don't blame Jay Sean for going, but I think he is, you like more about him. I mean, how hard he runs, how fast he can go at his size. He's a, he's an impressive prospect. There'll be some uh, serious investigation of his medical records, which he's had no issues this year. But when you listen to him talk about that knee injury, he ripped every, Every piece of cartilage, ligament, muscle, and whatever else, fiber, bone is in your knee. And here he is two years later playing. Um, what about the, the defensive guys? Verst, uh, Lovett, Robinson, are they all gone? I would tend to say, I mean, the fact that I know Jamie and Fabian Lovett both posted their senior bowl invites on, on Twitter, I think indicates nothing's a done deal, but I think those two are leaning that way. Jared, I think a lot of comes back to his draft grade. I mean, if he's legitimately getting feedback of being the first or second round pick that I know like some draft, like mock drafts have him as, then he should probably go. Could he come back and help himself? Yeah, possibly. Did I think he was going to be a one-year guy coming in? No, he's definitely uh, exceeded my expectations. But I, I would say I would think all three of those guys are probably gone. I'm leaning thinking that way now. Well, in some, some draft Knicks, have him as the number nine or number 10 pick, you know, yeah. if things, you know, where, where the teams would need finish the regular season in the NFL where they have the appropriate draft spot to take him. So it, it's going to be an interesting evaluation. You know, 
I, I don't expect this to happen because I think Florida State would be fortunate to keep one of the two. I'm talking Jordan Travis and Verse. But if Travis came back, it almost helps Verse and his stock because the team is higher ranked. And just as Jordan would be a Heisman candidate, Verse would be a candidate for all the defensive awards and get more exposure, you know. Now, again, I don't think both are coming back. I'd love it if they did. I'd be happy, I guess, if one came back. I think the potential wild card with Verse, the only thing I would tend to think he's gone. Seeing him in interviews with teammates, I think Jermaine Johnson was an important leader on this team, was an important figure on this team. I don't think he was as close. Like you see Jared and how he interacts with teammates in interviews. I think Jared has like quickly ingratiated himself with Tallahassee and with his teammates. And if there were any chance, it would be maybe getting soul and coming apart back and being part of a, a season that could be special. I mean, if you bring that right combination of guys, what we've seen from Clemson lately with what some other teams are going to be losing, you could be looking at ACC preseason favorite Florida state. I do think that based on how much fun this team has had and how they seem to really like each other, that every one of them pro guys say this all the time anyway, that they, they look back more favorably at their college years because it wasn't a business. Although nowadays it is a business, but these guys, even if they're 10 year NFL guys are going to look back and say that 2022 season was their favorite year playing football. I mean, that's what verse has already said about all his organized football in his life. This is the favorite team he's ever been on. And I bet that doesn't change even 10 years from now, no matter what he does at the next level. No, he could easily be a guy that goes and makes $200 million in his career. And this is still the season. Because, I mean, I think part of that, I think, no doubt, is, I mean, this is the season to put him on the map. But I think, like you said, it's also, I mean, being a part of this team and kind of the team that's taken a big step back towards Florida State being back and all these, the teammates. And, I mean, you see how much the relationships mean to him. I mean, he was having a, his, you back to the interview with C.J. Campbell, he did. He's He's got that relationship with the walk-on running back. You know, I mean, that's a... It's he he has uh, very much enjoyed his time here. If this is his only uh, year, and guys, I, I, we beat the dead horse from this standpoint. It all goes back to culture. It all goes back to culture. You talk to any of us that played for Coach Bowden in his thirty-plus years at Florida State. We all tell similar stories about how we feel about the team, even though we're twenty-five and thirty years apart in our age, because that was the culture that was built. Yep. All right, Kurt, we'll let you go here. Uh, any concern this weekend or is this just a, a is it even going to be a, a little bit of a letdown compared to the way the last two weeks have gone? Or is this just going to be, nope, we're going to punch the clock and it's going to be 45 to three again? I, I can't say there's no chance of uh, of any kind of letdown. I, I, I There's, I guess, theoretically a world where it's maybe they're not like stomping on them from the opening kickoff like they did Boston College earlier this season. But I think, I mean, how they responded to the Miami game up there last week at Syracuse showed me like, they are approaching this businessman like business businessman like, and they just have that approach. They have the fun, they have the enthusiasm, but when it's time, they are. I mean, they've been go 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 and and about their business, and I think that continues. All right, he's our Osceola Insider, Kurt Weiler. We appreciate it, sir. We'll see you at Doke this weekend. Sounds good. All right, more front row Knowles right after this. The holidays are right around the corner, and many of you are traveling to visit family and friends. What a great time to upgrade to a newer used vehicle from Hobson Chevrolet. With new Chevrolets arriving daily and the best used car inventory in North Florida and South Georgia, it's a great time to buy. Need to get your car serviced for your travels? Mike Tyler and his team will take good care of you so you'll have a good, safe trip. So whether it's sales or service, come by and see us or check us out at HobsonChevrolet.com. Buy and service your Chevrolet the Hobson way. Getting the kids to practice on time. Remembering if it's your day to bring snacks. Making it to the game with a clean jersey. 
Why are simple things sometimes so complicated? Thankfully, with auto owners, insurance doesn't have to be one of them. Auto Owners works with independent agents who answer when you call, so you can worry about more important things, like whether your kid is going to run toward first or third base. That's simple human sense. Ask the Earl Bacon Agency in Tallahassee if Auto Owners is right for you, or visit us online at earlbacon.com. Be sure to subscribe to the Front Row Knowles podcast and follow at Front Row Knowles on Twitter. Now back to at underscore Tom Block and Twitterless Keith Jones. Yes, you heard us right in the Prime Meridian Bank Studios. Welcome back. Appreciate Kurt Weiler joining us uh, as Keith and I will take you down the home stretch right now, KJ. Uh, what about you? You got any concerns for this weekend? Just the traditional concern that we've talked about, you know, the letdown. Uh, You're dealing with 18 to 22-year-olds. So if there is not a letdown, if they come out from the get-go and play well, and and, and as you uh, mentioned or someone asked uh, Coach Norvell, you know, what's it like to see uh, your starting quarterback with a baseball cap on in the third quarter? You know, this may be one where the baseball cap comes on after the first drive third quarter not later in the third quarter that's what I'll be interested to see do they stay focused I'm not expecting them to win 45 to 3 although they're certainly capable of doing that but do they pass the icon the eye test of having prepared themselves come out be motivated make it work until they take control of the game and then get the subs in yeah the subs by the way the subs are getting a lot of work in right now they I'll tell you where this is it's good on so many counts most notably good for the player, but also good for the coaches, uh, both from a standpoint, and I hate to be this crass, but uh, they can look at player A and say, okay, we can refine this, coach this up. And they can look at player B and say, yeah, might, might be time to move him along and we'll go fill that spot. And I know that sounds harsh to say, but that, that's the way this business works. Well, the other part of it is, uh, and, and this sounds also crude and crass, you know, if you've got your, your subs not playing much, during the Saturday, you've got to find a way to get them some contact and some work on Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday. They don't practice on Monday, Florida State doesn't. So we'll say Tuesday or Wednesday. Well, that increases the workload for the coaches because it's not uncommon to keep your reserves out there for another half an hour while you send the starters in. And that just complicates the coach's life that much more. So everybody wins when everybody gets to play. Yeah, especially when you're playing a quarter at a time. I mean, these guys are – they're getting reps against the other team's first team, which right. not that we need to revisit Syracuse, but, I mean, Garrett Trader didn't look 100%, but if he wasn't 100%, why did they have him in the game until there was three minutes left? Correct. I mean, what was the point of that? <laughs> the other thing that really, really baffled me is why they didn't use their timeouts and why they didn't try to score a touchdown there in the closing minute. I mean, I know there's one thing to concede and, you know, the game's lost, but – to me, that didn't send a very good message to the team. And as well-respected as, as Coach uh, Dino Babers is, I, I, I thought that was a little unusual. Uh, I, I haven't read anything about it. I haven't heard very many people talk about it. But that, that was a little off-putting to me. I may be way too harsh, but that was a little off-putting to me. Yeah, no, I agree. And Dino Babers has had his time management questioned uh before by Syracuse media but that's not really time management that's more a mentality thing of let's take the time out and and get in there and win this battle so we got something to build on I I don't know what that was about but 
since I'm on the Florida State side of the ledger, I'll I'll go ahead and take that and not apologize and not feel bad. Not about at it. all. Not at all. <laughs> what would you do if you were Jordan, Keith? I would if I I I request my evaluation. I would um, have conversations with with um, Coach Norvell and his contacts at the NFL level. And I would find out which teams at least verbally expressed an interest because he's got a unique set of skills that doesn't transition and translate into every NFL system. Uh, I, I, he's not as talented as, um, you know, some of the running quarterbacks that you see, uh, but he's pretty darn close. So he won't benefit from going into an offense that strictly rewards a drop back passer. He needs to be in an offense that uses the RPO a little bit more and will allow him some controlled and called runs. And so I would find out who's interested in me. I'd have somebody help me do research on of those teams, uh, who's on the roster, who they talk, who are they talking to, who do we think we're talking to. Um, and I would make a business decision based on the information I'm getting. I would not make an emotional decision that, you know, I've already played four or five years of the college game. I'm ready to go to the next level. Um, I would try to make it more of an analytical decision than an emotional decision. Yeah, I, I think that he will do that. I mean, he's had a brother who's played professional baseball. So I think they'll get the facts. They'll make a decision. Uh, I do think that his measurables aren't going to change, so he's not going to be taller next year. I don't know that he can get more weight on his frame. He's going to be a year older. And so all that is in the corner of go ahead and start now. But your point is right on. He'd be much better suited to land with the Eagles where Jalen Hurts is running the offense than to land somewhere else, uh, you know, where it's just a pure pocket guy. Uh, nowadays, though, there are a lot more guys that mobility is part of the equation. So there are more and there opportunities. Are a lot of professional offenses changing, but you know, you would think of Baltimore, you would obviously think of the chiefs. He's not going to go to the chiefs and be the starter with Mahomes there, but he could go there and learn that system when time came to, to sign that second contract. Uh, I mean, there's just some, there's some due diligence that needs to be done uh, and it needs to be fact-based and not emotion-based. So just in our last couple of minutes, Keith, if he did go, and say the rest of the parts return for FSU, the rest of the parts meaning Trey Benson and Johnny Wilson, Micah Pittman, not, not obviously you're going to lose the seniors, but say everybody else comes back. Is this offense at a point now? I'm not going to say you could put any quarterback in there, but you could find somebody who could very adequately step in at the level that Jordan is playing. Possibly, but here's the other aspect of it, Tommy, that, that we don't appreciate because we haven't seen. We've only seen Jordan, for the most part, run this offense. I'm here to tell you that if, if, if Tate continued to develop his skills, even though he might not be considered as strong a runner as Jordan, this offense can des is designed that they can take advantage of running some more boots and waggles that are not run-oriented, they're just shifting the pocket oriented to get different angles and different, different looks. My point is that's how versatile this Norvell offense is. He can put whatever the talent the quarterback has and, and find a way to accentuate it. Now, I'm not here to tell you that Rotomaker is ready to come in and play at the same level that Travis has played at. I'm just saying if he did improve, and because he's got a little different skill set, 
that doesn't matter in this offense based on what I've been able to see. Well, and he's got a strong arm too, a stronger arm, candidly. So Correct. there are some there are some other things that would would open up there. I'm just curious. It's it's exciting. Uh, I'll go back to the word I used at the top, uh, giddy, which again may not be right, but people are everywhere I turn. People want to talk about FSU football right now, uh, and it's a positive conversation. And it hasn't been that for for a few years, Keith. So that part has been enjoyable. Very much so. Very much so. I linger around Publix a little bit more these days, and I'm okay to engage in the conversations, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> well, you know, when, when you do go to retire, they do hire folks to be bag boys at, at the advanced age, so you could hang out more at Publix. Well, as, as someone who's at that advanced age, Keith, I appreciate you sharing that, that wisdom and insight with me. Touche, Mr. Block, touche. All right, folks, uh, enjoy the game this weekend. Uh, we will do our uh, wrap-up show on Sunday. Thanks, as always, for tuning in to Front Row Knowles.